Welcome to Ministry by Mail, a weekly sermon publication of the Church of the Lutheran Confession. Our sermon for Palm Sunday is by Pastor Michael Eichsted of Messiah Lutheran Church in Hales Corners, Wisconsin. Our theme is Think Like Jesus, based on the text of Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation this morning is from Paul's letter to the Philippians. We read in chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father." These are the words of our text. In Christ Jesus, whose name is our joy, our sure hope, and our salvation. Dear fellow Christians, you are different. Christians are often told that because it's true. They are different. It doesn't matter what culture the believer may be living in, whether it's a believer in Wisconsin or Tanzania or anywhere else in the world. And sometimes the difference is pointed out as being external, something visible. For example, the Lord tells us to dress modestly, and so Christians follow that, and so that might be a difference. When Jesus' disciple Peter was in the courtyard of the high priest, warring himself by the fire, it was pointed out that someone had spotted him with Jesus in the garden. So he was different than the others standing around the fire. Peter also had that strong Galilean accent. But I think they noticed something more than just that. Believers are different. And it's a good thing. And that difference is very deep. It goes right to the heart difference in attitude. And that's what Paul was talking to the Philippians about. He urged them to be like-minded with him and to have the mind of Christ. In other words, he was urging them and us today on this Palm Sunday to think like Jesus. But what is the mind of Christ? If anyone had a reason to have an attitude of pride, and to boast. It's Jesus. As Paul says, he's in the form of God. He is God. He's the Word who was with God in the beginning, who is God, without whom nothing was made that has been made. He doesn't need or depend upon anyone or anything else. All of creation depends upon him for his existence. He could read people's minds when he was here on earth. He fed thousands, 
controlled the weather, cast out demons, healed the sick, even raised the dead. He has all power in heaven and on earth. And yet, Paul says that he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Better translation would be, he did not demand or cling to his rights as God. Instead, he made himself of no reputation. Again, literally in the Greek, he emptied himself. He set aside for a time when he was here on earth the full use of his power and glory. He still possessed it. Otherwise, he would not have remained God. But he set aside that use for a time and humbled himself in the greatest possible way. Think of his humble birth of the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem. He had a, a poor upbringing in Nazareth. He didn't live in the, the mansion on the top of the hill in the center of Nazareth. Later on he said, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He's God. He's the one who gave the law to humankind, and yet... He put himself under that law. He was tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. He humbled himself, even to the point of death, Paul says. Even the death of the cross, the most horrible means of crucifixion ever invented. The Romans designed it, intended it to be something which would inflict the maximum pain for the longest period of time. And not only that, it was public humiliation. Crucifixions were carried out not behind prison walls in secret, but right out in the open. The Romans wanted everyone to see what happened to those who were lawbreakers. Jesus suffered that, even though he had committed no sin. As Pontius Pilate said, I find no fault in this man. But that wasn't even the worst part. The worst part was Jesus suffering God's punishment that spiritual torture for the sins of all of mankind. We have no conception of what that's like. We know it's true because Scripture tells us that. But just to get some kind of a, a little hint of what that would be like, you know how it feels when someone is rightfully angry at you? Maybe mom or dad or a spouse or maybe the authorities for something you've done. You know it's wrong. You deserve to have their anger. You know how awful that feels to feel that, that weight of their anger upon you for your sin. Well, that's just one, one sin, one human being, perhaps, who's angry with you over that. Well, then just try to conceive of all of your sins and not having an individual, a human being, angry with you but the holy God. And we know what sin is like. We're guilty of it continually. But Jesus had no sin of his own. And it wasn't just your sins and my sins that were put on Jesus, but the sins of all of the billions of people who will ever be born into this world. All of that weight of guilt and punishment from the holy God was put on Jesus. The Bible says, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. 
Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. If you look at old farmhouses or barns, quite often you'll see lightning rods on the rooftop. They're not there for ornamentation. They serve a purpose. Those lightning rods are designed to draw lightning during a storm to the lightning rod, which will then, the current will then travel down the lightning rod to a, a steel cable attached to it, which goes all the way down to the ground. The lightning rod absorbs the impact of that lightning strike so that the barn doesn't burn down. Well, think of Jesus as being the lightning rod for all of sin. All God's anger for all the sins of the world against all sinners concentrated, aimed right at the cross. And Jesus absorbed it all. It was crushed for our iniquities. It was our sins that brought his death. Sin was charged to him, and his righteousness is credited to us. Jesus rode into Jerusalem knowing full well that he would be facing that. And yet he did it willingly in obedience to his heavenly Father. Keep that in mind when Paul says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Think like Jesus. We certainly don't by nature. By nature, obedience to God, service to our neighbor is the last thing in our minds. By nature, we're just like the world around us. If you want to get an idea of what the world around us is like, well, just observe. The world around us says, I'm going to drive as fast as I want to and everyone else better stay out of my way because I matter more than other people. And if someone dares to insult me or hurt me, infringe on my rights, they're going to suffer twice as much. And if someone doesn't like my opinion, well, I'm going to have nothing to do with them because I know I'm right. That's the world's attitude. Do you ever hear that same kind of attitude in your own home or your own circle of friends? Why should I have to do the dishes? It's not my turn. I didn't leave the mess in the living room. So much to do something about all the work that needs to be done at church. Someone should do that. You get the picture. By nature, we have that same self-centered attitude, which is farthest thing from the mind of Christ. But the Holy Spirit then enters our hearts to give us a new heart. That message of Christ's obedience, his obedience under the law, his obedience even to the point of death, that gives us a new heart. The disciples needed that too. On the night before Jesus' death, the disciples had that same self-centered attitude that we have by nature. They were in the upper room. No one wanted to do the job of a slave and wash the other's feet. They all looked at each other and said, well, you should do it. Not my turn. And then you know what happened. Jesus himself got up from the table, wrapped a towel around his waist, took a basin of water, washed the disciples' feet, and then told them, do you understand what I have done for you? Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. 
Thinking like Jesus, humbly serving others, is not demeaning. What it is, is forgetting oneself in service to the Lord. So why help a coworker when you don't have to, when it's not your responsibility? Why be patient with someone who is constantly pushing the limits of your patience? Why forgive the person who is always poking fun at your faith, always trying to find some fault with your faith in Jesus? Why? Because we want to think like Jesus, because Jesus loves and forgives us. He's given us new life. He died for us that we might have that new life. So how can we not then live that new life? Think like Jesus. Imagine what a difference it'll make in our relationships with others, at home, work, church, if we think more like Jesus and walk humbly, trusting in his forgiveness, following his example. The cheers on Palm Sunday, the acclamations of Jesus as king, quickly gave way to jeers and cries for Jesus to be crucified. The Heavenly Father could have stepped in and prevented all that. Jesus could have come down from the cross. But he didn't. He hung there till the bitter end, until his lifeless body was there on the cross, battered, bloody, bruised, with a spear wound in his side. It looked like a disaster. It looked like a defeat. And yet, what does Paul say? Therefore, Therefore, because Jesus humbled himself and died there on the cross, therefore God has also highly exalted him, given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus' death won the victory. His suffering and death gives us life. His humiliation led to his exaltation. Because now, when Jesus rose from the dead, once again, he was fully using and showing his divine power and glory. And he always will be. He rose in glory. He descended to hell to show his victory to the devil. He appeared to the disciples. He rose or ascended to the right hand of the Father. And one day, he'll come again. In the clouds with all the angels, with the trumpet call of God, to raise us and take us home to heaven. Exalted. And that's what we can look forward to. Jesus exalted at the right hand of the Father. And so the Bible says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. And then that leads to exaltation for us too, because Paul says if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure we will also reign with him. Even in his humiliation, Jesus was looking ahead. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So think like Jesus. Jesus endured the suffering, the humiliation, the shame, looking ahead, knowing that it was going to accomplish the salvation of the world. We now are to think like Jesus. Here on earth, we're going to suffer 
crosses. Jesus says we have to bear our own cross, not a, a cross which is going to pay for sins. That's been done once and for all. But the Christian's cross are the trials and the troubles, the persecution, which come because we are following Jesus. We are different. And the world doesn't want to see that. And so because the believer is different, the believer has a big target on their backs. And the world aims for that and tries to discredit faith, tries to make the believer's life as miserable as possible on earth, make it seem as though it's totally unrealistic. But think like Jesus. Look ahead. Look beyond this life. Because the Lord promises that one day we'll share in his glory. When he returns, he'll transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. We will reign with him. Imagine that. Jesus says we will rule with him. We haven't deserved it, not in the least. All of that is a reward of God's grace. You are different. When someone tells you that, thank God. We are different because the Holy Spirit has called us out of darkness into the wonderful light of our Lord Jesus. We have come to trust in him as our Lord and Savior. Think like him. And we walk in humble service to him, love for him and for our neighbor, and always looking ahead for that glory to come. It's good to be different. Amen. Sing, my tongue, the glorious battle. Sing the ending of the fray. Now above the cross, the trophy. Sound the loud, triumphant lay. Tell how Christ, the world's redeemer, as a victim, won the day. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. This has been a publication of the Church of the Lutheran Confessions, ministry by mail. Visit clclutheran.org for more information. For print copies of this or other sermons, please visit lutheransermons.org.